0: But JavaScript frameworks are built on hope. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of Angular Air, an Angular story. I'm your host, Justin Schwarzenberger, and today we are going to be talking about techniques for testing within Angular code. Uh, so let's get at it. Today, our panelists on the show, we have Victor Mejia joining us. Victor, how's it going? Hey, guys. How's it going? And we also have Austin McDaniel. Austin.
1: How's it going? Today I'm not rocking my panda hat. I'm rocking out this sweet panda shower cap I got for Christmas, early Christmas. I was thinking about keeping it on the whole time, but it's actually cutting off the circulation to my head.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Good choice. Good choice. Uh, We also have Mike Brocky.
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: Cool. No and then our for today's show. Uh, really excited to have them here from down under. Uh, we've got Duncan Hunter. Duncan, how's it going?
2: Yo, yo, yeah, very good. Very good down here. And Adam
0: Stevenson. Hi, guys. Cool. And they're going to be informing us. Uh, we're going to go over some techniques for testing and uh, within Angular and stuff like that. So let's get right to it. First of all, uh, what type of uh, testing are we going to be talking about today or are you going to be showing? Are we talking like end-to-end tests, unit tests, that sort of thing?
3: So we're mainly going to focus on having a look at unit tests. Um, but then we'll look at a few different techniques for running unit tests. And then at the end, we're going to have a look at uh, how you can easily write end-to-end tests for your Angular 2 apps. What
2: are tests? <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: That's a great question. Yeah, so yeah, I think that sparks onto the question: Why tests? So tests are extra code that we can write, past so we can get lots of benefits and securities in our app uh, for different reasons. So you
3: want to add to that? I guess it really depends on where you're coming from. You know, we're um, and it probably you know we're consultants most of the time, so we actually go and build software for other people. So whether it's going in and building a project from scratch, or whether it's going in and helping other teams build software. And we see a lot of people who waste a lot of time or have a lot of issues shipping their code. Um, And we find that one of the things that really helps them out is getting them a good testing story where they don't need, you know, five people clicking around their app to have safety and confidence in their app. Yep.
0: Good
3: answer. Good answer.
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) And so so it's kind of a little bit about, like, like why we're testing, right? Like, what kind of things are we testing when we're talking about in Angular, in our Angular code?
2: I think that's a good question. I think that, it, you know, it, it's a really big spectrum of uh, audience. You've got people who want to go down the TDD path, and they do their test-driven development, and they want to write all their tests, you know, right there, and then as they're writing their code. And then you've got, you know, tests kind of as an afterthought or a test-during development sort of approach where you're more sort of you know, kind of covering the most important parts of your application that are highest risk. So if you have like mission critical business logic in some sort of algorithms on your front end or some sort of logic that you want to cover and make sure that it's working, then, you know, that's the kind of the obvious stuff to test or, you know, the purchase button. You want to make sure that purchase button works because without the purchase button, you know, your whole site might become useless. Whereas, so it depends really on the people and what they want to test in the team. You know, we've got some teams, you know, one client in particular of ours, where they're like, yep, we want 100% code coverage. And that's just uh, just kind of written down in law for that project. And then we've got other projects that's where it's not achievable? Much much. Hmm?
1: Is that actually achievable though? Yeah. yeah. Well, they, <laughs>
3: it's, and it's, it's an interesting scenario because often, you know, where. You know, 100% code coverage is usually generally frowned upon because it's mandated by management, and then developers all work out how to game it to get 100% code coverage. Where this is a highly complex project, where that mandate actually came from the team, and so it's really interesting looking at that project and the difference 100% code coverage when it's got a when it's really buy-in from the guys writing the complex code driving it. So they're really focused on code quality and they, you know, they, they have code re- you know, really rigorous code reviews. So it's a different look at 100% code coverage than what I've seen before. So,
2: yeah. It's not all sunshine. There's definitely some expletives that come out of some of the team members on that project who feel like, you know, and, and I think almost everyone knows that 100% code coverage is going to be at a certain point where you're going to get diminishing returns. You know, is it the last 10%, last 20% where it's costing you more than you're getting? Um, and it's interesting listening to that team. I was speaking with the actual product owner of that the other day, and he's going, oh, you know, but now we don't have any problems in knowing what to test. We just test everything. So there's no ambiguity or problems. We just test everything. But, yeah, it's it's an interesting project. Yeah. I think diminishing returns is the, the word there.
4: It's not always benefit all the way to the end. Yeah, Did usually to... I see
1: 80% coverage.
4: Yeah, 80 obviously We've got, let me see, like 90 Ninety-eight in a in a project, but yeah, 100 percent. It's pretty pretty difficult. So that's that's pretty cool. Would, would you so with, with TDD? Would you say you guys do the the test driven or more test during development? I mean, I I often find like say with with things that are just code like like services. Um, doing a, a TDD session, it's it's much easier than than doing UI components. So what what does that look like for you guys? I mean, do you guys do TDD for UI components too, or or do you guys is it more of an afterthought of just trying to, you know, check that your your coverage is is green there? So I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that.
3: You, I think so. I think it depends on. The co- the, the depends. I, for personally, I find it depends on the code I'm writing. If I'm writing complex code around, you know, quoting calculations or something, I think TDD really helps me develop the code in that scenario. So I think then I'll go into, gee, TDD is really going to help me here. But I think TDD is also a journey. I think, you know, testing is a journey. I think depending on where you're at on that scale depends. You know, I've, I love working with guys who just, that's just how they roll. And everything they write is TDD, where I'm kind of, you know, somewhere in the middle of that scale.
2: Right, yeah. yeah. I find it weird trying to do TDD with a component. Like, I kind of think more naturally to go, I'm going to make a component uh, and then test it. Because a lot of the time, the testing's less complex sometimes, in a way. So, I know for me, I I kind of, when it comes to UI bits in terms of, you know, buttons and so forth, that's more something I'll do afterwards or during Mm -hmm. than... But that's just me, yeah. yeah. It's probably worth calling out as well. This is just because we work with a, on another client
3: project. We've got, you know, it's a very big team. It's probably 30 devs on it. And there's there's one guy who writes everything TDD. And so he ships less code than everybody else on the team. But everybody else on the team is really happy for him to do that because everything that he ships is awesome. Um, so, you know, I think that's, you know, once again, it comes back to that journey. But he's the only one.
1: But he's the only one on that team of like thirty devs who is TDD across everything. I'm still looking for someone like that to write my tests for me.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Real quick though, that brings up a good point, and this is totally off topic. There is actually a new React uh, plugin that writes tests for you based on. It fail at erroring. So every time it errors, it like prints the console log of the test that you should write there for you.
3: Wow. That's a great idea. Huh. So your regressions are yeah, you you automatically have those
1: regression tests. Yeah, that's cool. So Pretty one cool. of the things
3: that I do when I teach
0: uh, testing to our team and other people, um, I've learned over time that it's it's really kind of comes down to there's an art to writing tests, right that's different from how we architect software and to get people to think in that mindset of you need to not you're not writing software here you're not solving software problems when you're writing these unit tests you're actually doing this different paradigm and it's I think it's important to think in that manner so you can write um, not only well-crafted tests that, that cover, but also tests that you can maintain over time because that's that diminishing return, right, that I think that comes into play. And and you start writing tests for all the things and you start doing it in a certain way, then all of a sudden you become this, this maintenance thing over time and, and the, the return value goes down. What, what do you guys think about
2: that? Yeah, I think for sure. I think there's a certain point where you start doing so much testing that it becomes this, you know, it, it reverse affects your code. You don't architect your application into smaller pieces because it makes it better. You start doing it because so you think, you're thinking about how to test and it becomes, you know, I'll make this service purely so I can import it into a test versus actually having my, you know, for the, for the application. So, yeah, I, I think for sure you've got to think about it very differently and uh, come towards it in a, in a testing mindset and, and not, not just kind of so I can get the tests done. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, when you're talking
3: about, you know, you come back to the traditional testing pyramid kind of idea of having lots of, I'm a big fan of having lots of small unit tests that only exercise that particular component of code so that I know then when I'm I'm refactoring a particular section of code, I know that the only tests they're going to break are the ones associated directly with that component. Um, So I think, yeah, so what you're saying is about, once again, you're talking about a journey and testing maturity and having someone who can not just make sh- like have a look at all the tests for the teams writing and kind of push them in the right direction, I think is really valuable. But it having a level of isolated tests is great, but you also need to consider the levels of uh, integration. Um, so once
0: you get those each isolated pieces, how do you then take that to the next level of how the pieces fit together? Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
2: And, and, and where do you, you? How do you go from small bits to bigger bits? And how does the team like to roll? I know Stevo and I see things a little different there. Like, I'm happy. I'm just really happy to, you know, save lives and stop people doing manual testing at work. Um, and if I can do that, I'm really psyched. So I'm more focused on that. So I like to roll a little bit closer where we're actually exercising more of our code, and I'm not so worried about being as isolated as Stevo, just because you know, we do have manual testers on our projects and that's their job just to sit there and, you know, click buttons for us. And the more we have a culture of testing and the more we kind of have teams who are skilled up on it, the the better we can do. So isolated is really fantastic and it's a great way to go, but not at the cost. Like, I don't know. I, I feel there's like a spectrum you can be on where you're thinking, oh, "I'll exercise more of my code and I don't mind running slower and more real because it's kind of covering more versus, you know, purely being really isolated
1: and and very purist about the way you take it. What's the difference between like uh, you guys have been talking a lot about unit tests, but what about end to end? And can you kind of explain the difference there and where we should use which?
3: Cool. Yeah. So you know, my my background's in you know service side code and that kind of thing, where the ice where you know the the pure unit test and getting you know the the purity of your test was gold, and then. You know, and we didn't really write, like I've spent the last, you know, 10 years kind of going, you don't test your front end at all because why would you bother? That's just dumb, you know, that's just dumb code. And yeah, I know, but that's, that's completely different now. Obviously we're writing more and more logic in our front end. So the front end is so, you know, so important to get tested now. So it's, I, I kind of sit in the camp of write really good, isolated tests, right? You know, lots of shallow tests to integrate those pieces and then have end-to-end tests, just testing your critical paths to make sure that they're, because the the end-to-end tests are going to break more often than your unit tests. So that's, I kind of roll going, let's have a couple of big end-to-end tests
2: testing our critical paths and leave everything else at a really isolated level. Yeah. But interestingly, I think we see at the moment, this trend, especially when people are getting like getting into NGRX and Redux where they're, going more towards end-to-end tests. So we're just starting to see that here where we've got companies that are like, you know, this really large team we're talking about that we're involved with, with about 30 front-end devs, most of their tests are end-to-end tests and they're doing NGRX and they're finding that they would prefer to spend more of their time doing that than writing unit tests because a lot of their application is pushed towards having a lot more presentational components and that's just the pattern that's going down and I'm hearing that more and more where people go, "Oh, just." test my reducers and not test all these other components that really are just data binding or emitting events, and then I'll write uh, end-to-end tests. So it's not that we're seeing people do that 100%, but we're definitely hearing that more and more from people, uh, that they're they're liking to do that sort of approach. And I think people find end-to-end tests, if they're not a heavy testing team, or they're a mix, like they're a full stack sort of team, where everyone on the team is a mixture of both, then the end-to-end tests tend to make sense for them, but they're definitely the ones that seem to be thrown out first as well. Where do you cool? Spectrum?
0: cool. Can we uh, can show some stuff? Let's get into um, some code and stuff.
2: Take a look. Yeah, definitely. So we're gonna we what we're gonna build today is super complex, and I'll I'll share my screen with you here. And I want to go back to my screen. Conception. All right. Can you guys see that? Yep. So today we're going to be writing. We've we've gone and we've written an app with the CLI. We've got these Chuck Norris jokes. And we have a button you can hit, and it will bring back another Chuck Norris joke. So this is just a free open API that you can uh bring into your applications and use, and we get these Chuck Norris jokes. So we really like this as a demo because it's so really simple, but there's a lot here to be able to talk about in terms of testing. So you've got button clicks, you've got binding onto the page with the text here, and you also have in the background, we have a, a separate Angular service that makes HTTP requests. So we kind of cover off in this the three things that we really talk to people about what you've got to grok when you're, trying to get into Angular 2 unit tests. So really, the first thing you've got to understand is how to fake a service. And then the second thing you've got to be really good at understanding is being able to use the new Testbed API so that you can get all your modules and your dependencies set up. And then the third thing is kind of understanding how to use some of the new utilities around async and fake async. So we're going to jump into all of those things today having a look at this very simple little jokes app. So I'm going to jump over into Visual Studio Code and
3: I'll just call out the reason we like a simple app for teaching testing is there's a lot to grok in the testing area. So we find, you know, originally we started teaching people on real life for you know, reactive forms with validation and, and custom error messages, and they spend so much time trying to grok that the, the Angular parts of that, that actually miss the importance of the testing parts.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we really like something dead simple to, to talk over, because it means the conversations about how do you test and how do you achieve things, especially when you're, you're looking at getting up to speed on using some of the new things in Angular 2. Because there's a fairly big change, and there's lots of awesome new utilities. Uh, but there's a learning curve uh, involved in learning those. So in our folder, if we have a look at the directory over here, we've just got a new Angular CLI project. And we've gone and made a Chuck Norris module, uh, which has uh, just a joke component in it and a joke service. Don't the you code can
0: is- you zoom in on that? In yeah, how's,
2: how's that? A couple more?
0: more, maybe one or two more.
2: How's that? Yeah, OK, so if yeah. we have a look at here, we have got a joke component. And it's pretty simple. Uh, What we have is a couple of properties at the top. We've got a joke as a string, and we've got a title for the page, which is Chuck, Chuck Norris jokes. Interestingly to remember is we've got this joke service. So we're going to have to fake out this joke service when we go to write some tests. And when we initialize this component, we call this get joke method. And it calls our service, our joke service. And it just brings back a, a random joke from our API and binds that onto the joke property. So pretty simple to, to kind of understand and move forward. If we come over back into the directory here, we've got an empty joke.component.spec.ts. <clears throat> so we're going to jump into here. We're going to spend most of the time in here uh, looking at how to test this simple page. So we're going to start off by just Doing some of the world's simplest tests, and then we're going to move through talking about, you know, mocking the service and using Jasmine, which is a testing framework for doing spies and other sorts of things. So let's jump in and do the very simplest thing we could do, which would be adding a Jasmine describe block. And I guess it kind of brings us to the point of talking about tools where. We're huge fans of the Angular CLI uh, for, for heaps of reasons. Actually, I'd say go as far as to say we love it, because it just makes our lives a lot more efficient. Uh, but in particular, for the testing and having the testing set up out of the box. Uh, so out of the box, we're going to get Jasmine for doing it, assertions, and the syntax we're seeing here, plus spies and other things. But we're also going to get a test runner with Karma and Protractor, and all of that set up. So that's already done and already plumbed into this project. So I'm going to come into the top here and I'm going to we're describing a component. So this describe block is going to obviously be talking about a suite of tests. So inside of this block, we can put in a description. So here we're talking about the joke component. And our joke component and uh, describe block is going to have multiple it statements in here. So uh, it statements, we might have multiple ones of these. And I'm going to start off with something really simple. I'm just going to say uh, should add one plus one and we'll wind up and get into more uh, tests in a second that are a bit more complicated than this one Uh, and i'm just going to do a jasmine expectation and say i expect one plus one to equal and i'll make it fail at first one and i'm actually giving away a bit of a uh, a surprise there on the left in in the test runner we like to use when we're doing our tests in visual studio code which is wallaby but we'll come back to that in a second i'm going to open up the terminal here and run the tests using Karma, which is the test runner out of the box for the CLI. So ng tests, and we can run this in the terminal here. We're expecting this to fail, because obviously that's not the correct answer, 1 plus 1 equals 1. We know it's going to equal 2. So we're getting our error output here in the bottom. And this is great to have all plumbed in, but we find we get a lot of use out of using a tool called Wallaby. So if you come into the extensions here. I'll bring it up on the page. So Wallaby.js is an inline test runner for your IDE. And you get it in multiple IDEs like WebStorm and Visual Studio proper. Uh, and it allows you to get this inline feedback, which we'll show you now. But, and it has a whole bunch of other useful tools. So I'm going to come in and actually uh, kill the terminal at the bottom here and close that down. And I'm just going to start Wallaby. We're going to just kick off Wallaby. And you'll see down here on the bottom, it's kind of spinning away and showing that it's loading it in the status bar. And when it fires up, this this tool is going to give us inline feedback on the left. So we can see here straight away that this is failing. We've got a red dot on the left. And then it inlines the expectation on the right, which we find super useful for writing tests and also super fast to get feedback. Because if I change that into a passing test, then it just instantly updates on the screen for us. So we're going to be using that today. Uh, And the other cool thing about it is if we jump over to the browser, it's also got a code coverage tool. So here in the browser, in real time, it kind of keeps up to date with your application. And you can see we've got this Chuck Norris joke that's been added, should add one plus one here. So if you haven't seen it before, it's worth checking out. It is a paid product, costs about $100. Uh, which not everybody likes the idea of,
1: but we love it. Are you getting commission? You getting commission?
2: No, <laughs> uh, no commission. He's from our local town, though. Uh, so, but we 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 both paid the hundred dollars, and you know, pay, you know, we've been we've been using it for quite a while
3: now. And it's one of those things where it's like You know, it's 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 one of those tools. Like I use ReSharper and my other IDE all the time, and I just find you know, there's, it's a no-brainer for the productivity boost that you get to. to to spill out a couple of hundred dollars for these tools. So let's move forward here. I've got a quick Go question on. for you, Duncan.
0: Uh, hey, mm-hmm. Adam, are you guys, uh, do you guys have patterns or the companies that you're consulting with have patterns for what you put for these describes and these statements, or do people just kind of wing it and put what they want in there?
2: Depends on us. C-sharp code, we've had, we have more patterns on the, on the recent tests we've had on the front end, we haven't had as much of a pattern around it. It also depends
3: on, I think, you know, it keeps coming back to, you know, testing being a journey. And it depends on how, what, what the background of the team is. A lot of teams that we work with are coming from a focus on back end and back end testing into front end testing. Um, so they're more familiar with, you know, an arrange actor, certain kind of the naming patterns in back end and they're just moving into BDD. Um, but then we've got other people who are right into BDD um, and are following those kind of best practices. But I but for, I think the naming is something that teams are come to after they've actually learned the tools a little because there's so much to learn on the tools that we try not to overwhelm them with uh, too much
1: stuff.
4: And then uh, one more question <clears throat> about uh, formatting tests. So do, do you treat... so? You know, with with ES6 and TypeScript, you know, we we have a class for each component. So, do you? Uh, so, what I like to do is, you know, we have methods on on the component, and then so I usually have a nested block um, for um, you know functions inside the component. So inside, you know, we have the outer describe, and then inside of this, I will be you know describe um, you know function name, and then I would have tests describing those functions. So I know, so do you guys do that or, you know, because with with Jasmine, you can, you know, you have BDD style tests where you can um, sort of, you know, write your test in a format that, you know, um, goes with like the, uh, you know, the acceptance criteria as opposed, you know, I guess... Yeah, so do you write your tests like that, or do you you write your tests like as one big describe block and then a bunch of specs describing what this component should do? Uh,
2: No, I I think this is a bit of a demo example here. What I like to do is I like to have nested describes if that's what you're saying. So I kind of, within one describe, I might have more describes in there and and sets of suites in those. And I kind of like to push as much like the logic into a before each So I can kind of keep my statements mostly to just kind of doing expectations. So that's how I like to roll. So we kind of end up having like, yeah, nested ones inside of there. So it's not just this huge block of its statements. Right, right. But on the other hand, I
3: think it's a good indicator once you end up with too many levels of nesting, you need to come back to, you know, single responsibility principle. And often that's an indicator that you're, once it starts going a bit mad, that maybe you need to do some refactoring. So once 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 the tests require a certain level of complexity, it often indicates that the, the code that it's testing has too many responsibilities. So it's kind of the refactoring. It often it's an indicator that a refactoring is needed. So I like them, but you know, it, I don't. You don't want to see a team going too crazy with them.
2: Mm-hmm. Cool. So we're not going to we're not following any major patterns here. What we'd really like to do today is actually to show off some of the new testing utilities with Angular. Uh, so we're going to do one more simple test, and that's kind of going to lead us into talking about some of some of these new utilities. So you, you hear people at the moment talking about these isolated and shallow tests in Angular two. Talking, say, you know, an isolated test is something that's just kind of testing the the JavaScript or the TypeScript around a component and isn't actually utilizing the HTML template or the DOM. Whereas a shallow test would be looking at the component, but also including exercising the HTML and being able to query it and interact with it. So we're going to do a a quick isolated test here before we move on to talking about some shallow tests. So in this one here, I'm going to uh, make a property called component. And I'm just going to new up in line here a new joke component that we saw before. I've got an auto importer that's just going to stick the import statements at the top of the screen here as we go, you can see. Uh, But if we have a look at this joke component, this joke component uh, has a dependency on the joke service. And we're going to come back and talk about the different ways that we can fake that out. But for now, I'm just going to pass in null to get this to work for us, because I just want to be able to access the components uh, logic. Uh, So next thing I can do is an expectation with Jasmine again. And in here, I can say I'm going to expect that my component Uh, dot title is going to be equal to, and you can see I get this inline feedback, which we really like about uh, Wallaby. So it's just going to be Chuck Norris jokes. So this is just a really simple way of being able to new up a component and be able to deal with it. And we we don't mind this sort of isolated approach when we're dealing with services and simple things, but we'll come back over this and we'll start talking about the the test bed, um, but I really like TypeScript for being able to test. It's something I've found is very different from coming from Angular One into Angular Two. Even though we did a lot of TypeScript, it was always kind of a battle. Whereas you know, writing your tests in Angular Two and TypeScript just feels like it's meant to be, which is really nice. It's so much hander, handier exploring all the APIs that are available now and just your own code there with the component.title. Awesome, cool. So I'm going to take I'm going to take it to
3: the next. I'm just going to uh, should I'm going to just say I'm. A, Finish that title of. I'm just check. Oh, so I'm, this test is about the na- the title. Now the the next test I'm going to write is going to be about. So when we have a look at our component, we can when we have a look at the component, we can see that what's happening in the component is when the component is initialised, we're calling this dot get joke, and that's calling out to our joke service, and it's. Returning a joke and it's assigning a joke to the joke property on our joke component. So the, test that the next test that I'm going to write is going to say, oh, I want to be able to test that that's actually happening correctly. So what I'm going to say is I'm going to say that it should set the joke property when the component is initialized. And my shortcut keys are all different.
2: I'm making Adam drive my computer today.
3: Awesome. Um, so what I can do here? So when I'm saying I'm going to come in here and I'm going to check this joke property, um, I want to I want to actually exercise that ng on init function. I could come in here and actually create a new component the same way that Duncan has in the previous test. Um, but what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to move this up and I'm going to refactor it so that I can let these tests share um, the component initialization. So this is where I'll bring so I'm going to come up to the top of my describe block and I'm going to introduce a property for the components um, and I'm going to have a one and I'm going to have another one for my and we can uh the service that's getting injected. Okay. And another great part of uh, another part of um, Jasmine is I can actually run it before each here, so I can refactor this to use. Uh, yeah. Okay, so now I've got my before each. So I can come in here and I can actually go, I can my component instantiation comes in here and I can say new Joke component. Okay, and then Duncan was just passing in a false here, but I'm actually going to need, because the uh, service that I'm testing, I actually wanna make sure it's getting back that service. So I actually need, to actually start using the joke service in this test. And there's a couple of ways that we can do this. One of the ways that we can do it is that we can actually create a fake service and declare the fake service in this class and use that fake. The other way we can do it is to get a real handle on the real service and then override the method that's actually returning a joke. So what I'm going to do in here is I'm going to actually create my, I'm going to create a fake service on the fly. I'm going to come in here and go, uh, in my just so I'm gonna have my joke service. I'm gonna say that my joke service object, I'm gonna come in and then on my object, I'm gonna come in, I'm going to say there's a get joke method. And I'm gonna say that that method does um, all that joke all that, that get joke method does is return an observable of a fake joke. Okay, so now, and then I can pass this one that I've just created. I can actually pass this into my, uh, my component. So here's my service. Now this is getting me an error because I don't have of. For the sake of the demo, I'm just gonna import uh, the RxJS kitchen sink. So I can let that pass. Okay, So now I've got my, so now what I've done is I'm going, and before every test, I'm actually creating a fake joke service. And then I'm instantiating my component and pasting that fake joke service in. And it's going to return me an observable of of fake joke whenever I call get joke. So now that I'm doing that, I can come down into my test. And I can actually come in and call component.ng on init. So I'm and,
0: that. and that code's running each before each of these it statements, right? Like it's creating a brand new component, brand new service
3: for each of these ones individually? Exactly. And then I'm going to come in and I'm going to check to make sure that the joke that is being set, that the joke that is being set is actually equal to what I specified it was going to be in my fake. So if I come in here and put in a um, a failing test you can see that it's giving me the red on the side but if I come in and change it to what I said it was going to be on the fly you can see it's going to go to green immediately so I can see I'm now actually testing that ng on in it is going out and calling the service but we're returning we're specifying what that service should return
2: and then I'm checking to make sure that that property is being set now. So this is this is one approach to being able to fake out that service and and it's really interesting looking through other people's code and looking at the way people like to do it because this is a valid approach to do it in line like this but there's we could also uh, pass in the real service and we could use something like a, a spy method from Jasmine to intercept the request to this get joke function. So we're going to show you this way of approaching it now uh, and we're going to pass in the real service but it it kind of also brings us on to the next part of talking about the testbed API from in Angular two. Uh, so we're going to implement the testbed API now, and then in doing that, what we will do is we'll pass in the real service, and then we'll add a Jasmine spy. So things are going to get a little bit more complicated than what we've got here, uh, but it's going to start to look a little bit more real world. So the the testbeds kind of that second thing that we talk about being, you know, the complex thing that people have to get their head around when they start doing testing with Angular two. Because there's a fair bit, fair bit in it, and there's a fair bit to learn. So when I talk about a test bed, it's very much it's easy to see. It. So I'll stub it out, and then you'll probably see that it looks very much like an Angular module, and that's what the test component. I mean, the test bed really is. It's one big part of it. Is that it specifies all the dependencies you need to be able to run tests around the test subjects, and in this case, that's the joke component. So I'm going to come remove all of Stevo's work here. I'll just comment out this newing up of the component here in line and I'm going to bring in the test bed and we can have a look at what that looks like when we go to do a configure. We're going to configure the testing module. So that is very much like dealing with an NG module. You've got a set of different things that you can pass in to say I've got this section of code, and here are all of its dependencies. So if you've done an Angular module, this will look very familiar. So we've got declarations, which will describe all of the different components uh, that we might want to pass in. And in this case, we just want to pass in the joke component. And then we're going to have a couple of things that we need for the the Angular service there that we have, this joke service. So I'm going to in the, whoops. In the imports here, I'm going to pass in the HTTP module. Because if we have a look at our joke service, we'll see that it's using uh, HTTP to make a request to the back end there. And then underneath here, I can pass in the providers. And the providers is setting up all of our registering all the services that we need for this test. And this is where things get a little bit more interesting. So in the providers here, I could just pass in the real service and just say, great, I'm just going to pass in the joke uh, service like so. And then I've got access to it. uh, And then I can inject it later on. So this is one approach, and we're going to follow this now. Uh, But the other thing, actually, that's the local one. Let's pass in the real one here. So we could pass in this joke service like so. Uh, But a really common thing you'll see people doing is like a combination of this. So rather than doing it in this way, what I could do Uh, I'll just do it quickly, I can pass in uh, object and say, I want to provide this joke service, but when I pass in this joke service, I want you to use a different value. So this is a really common strategy for being able to override that joke service with uh, a fake like we've got uh, already built here from Adam. So I can say use value and then pass in the joke service that we created locally here. So in this way, now anytime anyone asks for this joke service, they're actually really going to get this joke service. But for now, I want to show the alternate approach to doing a a fake like this and actually use the real value. And it's a bit arbitrary in this example here for what we're doing today, because what I would normally do if I was going to use the real service in a Jasmine Spy to intercept uh, the call-outs of this get joke, uh, what I would do is also fake the HTTP uh, backend so that... I don't accidentally call through to the back end if I forget to intercept all the requests. So I'm going to get rid of this, pass back in our our real joke service here. And then I've got to do a couple of other things. So one of the big changes when you start using the test bed and you configure a testing module like this is it gives you a handle on a fixture. So I'm going to come up the top here and I'm going to add that into our property. So I'm going to say let fixture of type component fixture, and that type of that will be of our joke component. So this fixture is really uh, gives us an ability to get an instance on this component again without newing it up. Uh, but also, the, the really big difference here with this fixture is the fixture gives us an instance of the component, but it also gives us access to the debug element. And when we have that, we can get the HTML template for the component or the DOM. So that's a really big difference doing it this way. Uh, than just newing up the component, because now when we have the HTML template, then we can query it and we can actually check that the business logic that drives it in our component is actually doing what we think it does on the actual HTML. So underneath our testbed here in our before each, uh, we can, I'm just going to comment this out for now, this one here. We can come in and initialize this fixture. But it just moved the before each down. Is Oops. Nope. Oh, bear with me for a sec. Here it is. There's the bottom of it there. So underneath the test bed configuring up the module here, I'm just going to initialize our fixture that we had here. And I'm gonna ask the test bed now to create me a component. So this is rather than newing it up here, this is where we can say. You can say that we want to pass in this joke component. So now we've got a handle on a fixture. What we can do with that is we can get a handle on the actual component again and kind of close out this loop of refactoring and say the component equals the fixture. And the fixture has offered a, a component instance here. So now we have the component instance, but one thing we're missing is we don't actually have the joke service yet. So we've, we've registered here in the, the module for this test, per se, But what we need to do next in here is actually uh, get the joke service. So this joke service, you can get it in a couple of different ways, but the newer way or one way of doing it is to actually ask the testbed for it. So we can get the testbed to inject that for us by saying testbed.get is a short way of doing it, and pass in here the joke service like so and i actually know that this most likely will pass it's probably just that i just need to restart wallaby so if you see down the bottom here i just use the keyboard shortcut to trigger wallaby off again and it's refreshing down here on the bottom and now we've reset this component object that we're using in the jokes Uh, and it's working and it's passing on our check for the title. But down here, we're going to refactor what uh, Adam did before, and I'm just going to get rid of this and change it to use a spy method. So instead of actually instantiating the object
3: and calling ng on in it, now we're going to actually use the... So instead of newing up an instance of the component and actually creating an instance of the class, we're going to get the component from the test fit. And, yep. and that's the test bed, and that's the testbed is the big like one of the big parts of angular 2 testing to learn and the, they're just going to reiterate that the main benefit about getting the component from the test bed instead of newing it up is then now we're also able to get a handle on the view and to actually test the template and we're also able to get a to make changes to the service and then actually get the the service that's going to be used by the test bed and get a handle on that as well
2: yep and so we and we're, on, <laughs> <laughs> we are gone. there We also had a look a second ago at being able to take this commented out fake joke service here that we've got in line. Uh, but now we're passing in the real joke service. We don't actually want to call the real thing. What we want to do is intercept any requests to the service. So I'm going to make a Jasmine spy here. And I'm actually going to spy on our joke service. And if anyone calls the get joke method here on this uh, joke service that we have, we want to intercept it. And we can do lots of things with that. We could you know, check how many times it's being called and what values and so forth. So we're going to do that here uh, and go and dot uh, return value. So we're going to intercept the request and we're going to return our own value in this. And that value is going to be similar to what we saw before. We're going to do an observable of, and I'm just going to pass in a string so we can see it in line, uh, fake joke. Now anytime we call out to the service, we're going to intercept it and pass that back. So now I've done that. I can come in and make my expectation. So I can say I expect that the component dot joke property is going to equal the return value there that we just set above. So fake joke. But this actually isn't going to pass because we haven't actually initialized our component yet. And this is where the fixture that gives us you know, lots of things uh, that we got from the testbed uh, can help us out. And we can ask it to detect changes and run a round of change detection for us on our component. So we can say fixture.detect changes. And then this will trigger a round of change detection, which will trigger off our ng on it, And then that will set the joke property onto. Uh, the uh, joke uh, property. So now we've done that, and we've gone through a hell of a lot of headache just to set up this uh, test bed and do other bits here. Uh, But now we've got the ability to actually uh, get the DOM and query the DOM. So let's do that in the next test. What we're going to do is we're going to add a debug element, and we're going to access the debug element to be able to get a hold of this. Chuck Norris uh, likes ice like he likes his skulls crushed uh, string here on the page. We're going to check that we have what we expect to get, which will actually pass in a, a, a fake response for. So we're going to come up to the top of the component here and add in uh, another variable called DE, which is the debug element. And with this debug element, then we can get a hold of the DOM, like I was saying. So I'm going to come down underneath. And say debug element equals the fixture dot debug element. And in when I get this debug element here, I've actually got a choice in whether or not I want to issue do a, like a query that I'd use multiple times at the top here, like query for something with a CSS selector, uh, or I can actually do it for each test, which we're going to do here. So I'm going to come down into the test. And say and make a new test here underneath and say that it should have a joke content bound on the page. So it should have joke content bound onto the page. Now inside of here, I'm gonna use a similar sort of spy-on approach and I'm gonna call fixture.detectChanges, changes, which I like to do at the start of all the tests so that it gets the initialization logic run. Uh, so here I want to get a query the actual, uh, CS by CSS and get a hold of the actual joke on the page. So to do that, I'm going to set a property called element and it's going to equal, we've got this debug element now we've initialized and I can query with that the HTML template related to this component. So I'm going to query by, CSS, and there's only one paragraph element on the page. So I can just use that paragraph element. And then I want to get a handle on the native element. So this will allow me to uh, use this element object very much in the way that we're familiar with working with the DOM and you know querying with CSS selectors and so forth and manipulating it. So once I have that, then I can expect the content is going to equal this fake joke because the component's going to on ng on init will call uh, the get joke method on our service, and we're going to intercept that and pass back the string of fake joke here in capitals. I come in and go uh, Jasmine expects that the uh, joke here, which is referencing, oh sorry, it's actually element, the element here on the page and look at its text content, then I can check to see that it's going to equal the fake joke that we're passing in here above in the interception. It's a pretty simple test just to check that the content's on the page. But now let's get digging further into the testbed API, and we're seeing how when we get a fixture, we can get this debug element. And with a debug element, then we can start querying our templates, which allow us to do a lot of powerful things. Which is pretty cool.
3: Um, I think we should probably roll to end-to-end. Yeah. So that's. that's,
0: that's so we got, a, we got a few more minutes here. So yep. uh, yeah, let's check that out real quick. And then we're going to need to wrap up.
2: OK, cool. So I'm going to jump over and show you in the directory here the end-to-end tests that we have. So out of the box, we get an E to E folder, and we get all of the, the end-to-end tests set up with Protractor, which allow us to run the real browser and click it and make assertions. So I'm going to jump into this file here and actually remove the test that we have. In the actually, if we've only got a few minutes, I'll just show you this one rather than typing out, save you the time. So if we have a look here at this. Uh, file, we've got an import statement at the top where we're asking Protractor for a couple of helpers. We want to get browser, we want to get and we want to get element so that we can query the page. So the Jasmine's very familiar here again, using Jasmine across both our end-to-end tests and our unit tests. So in the it block here, we're going to say we should have a title of Chuck Norris jokes, which if we come and have a look on the page, we've got the title up here. So the first thing we need to do is we navigate to the page that we want to test. So here we're saying browser.get, and this is just on the root of our URL. So we're just doing a single slash. And then I want to get that title property. So I do another query here with element by CSS, and we're looking for the H1 property on the page or element. And then we're using the getText method there to get the text out of that H1. And then we can do a simple check here to say I expect my title is going to equal Chuck Norris jokes. So if I move this over to the side of the page here and close this down and open up a terminal window, just clear out the console here. I can run ng e2e to, e to be able to run an end-to-end test using the tool set up by the CLI, and it takes a second to kick off. You know these tests are very different than the the unit tests we saw and they're designed to solve different problems. So you don't necessarily have a tool to run this live all the time while you change uh, your end-to-end uh, test there. But once it kicks off, it will flash up on the left-hand side and show us uh, the browser and it being manipulated. But it will probably flash so quickly we don't get a good chance of actually uh, understanding you know, what it, or seeing what it's doing unless we slowed it down.
4: So while this is loading, I have a quick question. So do, do you, so an, an interaction like a, a click on the button, would you classify that as a, an end-to-end test? Because in your unit test, you can still query and get the element, uh, click on it, and then, you know, check that a function was called when this button was clicked, right? So do you also include those types of actions in your unit tests?
2: Yeah, that's a really great question. I think it really depends on the team. So, and we like to show this in particular, this test, because it's kind of, you know, clicking on a button is very similar to what we just did in a in what we could have just done in a unit test. And it really is a flavor for the team to decide on. Some people prefer to put that stuff in a unit in an end-to-end test because it feels more natural for them and keep and not really test their HTML too much in their unit tests and more test kind of their business logic in their JavaScript. So it really depends on the on the team and what they want to test. Right, right. The way I kind of see it is that in your we, we have unit tests
3: that can test the TypeScript by themselves in the isolated tests. And we have unit tests that can test the, we can do the shallow tests that are also testing the DOM and the DOM interactions with our TypeScript class. And I feel like they're all still unit tests and you still should be testing those in small components. But what we tend to do is, is that the end to, S, end to end tests are kind of longer running tests that are exercising the application the whole way through. And that they're testing a longer series of um, because they're not a testing a unit anyway. They they tend to be testing a
1: series of interactions.
0: The other clarification is that with the end to end test that you have set up here is that it could be run against any browser as well. So you're also testing other
1: uh, you could test other browsers as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You could and you could be pushing this to some CI build with a tool like Source Labs that could run it across you know our favorites like Internet Explorer and Safari. Cool, cool. So that's the end of our demo, guys. Woo!
4: Yeah, that was really cool. That was really great. i glad we got I had here. no idea you guys were up at 5 a.m. So.
1: <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah.
1: I'm um, so excited for being up at 5, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, coffee,
3: helps. <laughs> yeah. coffee helps.
1: Yeah, yeah well, you, you guys definitely
0: brought it. We really appreciated all the content you delivered to us, and, and yeah, it was awesome. So let's wrap up, I usually do tips and picks, so people can kind of just say some stuff that uh, they've noticed or just decided. You guys got anything for us
3: you wanna share? Yeah, so I love love my new Bose headphones. I've hardly, (laughs) since I've gotten the QC35s there, I have hardly taken them off, so they're kind of my favorite
2: new toy. You've got a new toy too that you're loving? Oh, I love the MacBook Pro, yeah, I got a new MacBook. That's pretty fun, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I like the gadgets. My uh, my other probably
3: my other pick is probably NDC London, which is going to be awesome. So mm-hmm. January. In January, we're speaking on Angular 2 War Stories and unit testing at NDC in London. Mm-hmm. So it'll be great if anyone's there, come and say, come and say hi. NDC's always an amazing conference. So
2: really looking forward to that. I really like the testing docs from Angular. Uh, there's 99 pages of them if you actually try and print it out. It's quite a hefty document. But if you look at Angular.io and look at their testing docs, they're actually really awesome and really thorough. So whoever wrote those, you know, a big thank you. Yeah. And you'll keep coming back to them and you'll get more every pass through. Yeah. You don't, yeah. It's not a five minute cup of tea job. Yeah. Sweet.
0: Sweet. And so then you just got the one talk coming up, right? Are there other talks that you guys are doing on this stuff? You want to plug? Yeah,
2: Actually, I, I just, uh, if anyone's in Seattle in late mm-hmm. January, I'm going to be up there uh, running uh, Angular hack day with some of the Google team up there, which should be a lot of fun. So that's the last Sunday of January i um, really excited to be back over there in America. I love visiting, so it should be fun. And then we're around, we're around a fair bit. We're at, uh,
3: Ignite. Ignite in, Austra- Ignite in Australia, and we're back in Copenhagen in February.
2: Yep. For, For another NBC. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So come awesome. and say hi.
0: Sweet. Sweet. Um, Austin, you got anything?
1: Yeah. So I'm glad you called on me first so Braco can't steal my pick. Angular 2.4 just dropped, like, right right before this kicked off. There's some nice bug fixes there. Also, there's a project that just dropped this morning as well called HoloJS, which allows you to use WebGL and JavaScript to build holographic interfaces for HoloLens. So that is super cool. Yeah. And that's it.
4: Okay.
0: Anyone else? Mike, Vicar?
4: Uh, I've got a pick. Uh, so I I lead up the um, uh, Angular Orange County meetup. And uh, last month, our meetup was actually hosted at Google Irvine. Irvine. And uh, Minko Gachev was uh, actually down here, and he gave an awesome talk. It was recorded, so I'll post a link to that. Um, it was uh, building an a- Angular app for production. So it talks about, like... Uh, you know, all sorts of optimizations, so um, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll post a link to that, so. Cool. Mike, you still with us?
3: Yeah, I'm here. I got one. Um, And it actually uh, ties directly in. So all the uh, configuration of the testbed for these tests that we saw set up, uh, we started with an empty file here with today's demo, but those are actually all scaled up for you out of the Angular CLI. So those spec files actually have the testbed already configured up, uh, being able to produce that component for you out of the box.
2: Which is awesome.
0: Go CLI. We love it. Right?
3: And I didn't have any issues
0: coming out of today, so I'm happy for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you got no work on your plate. That's good. Uh, ne- next week, next week probably. Uh, maybe not. So but speaking of next week, we've got uh, our show, our episode's going to be with Jeff Cross, and I bi- believe Victor Saffin is going to join us as well. We're going to be talking about life on and beyond the Angular core team are going to talk about their experience while they were on it and talk about their new venture and should be a great discussion show. So tune in for that and we'll get all the links and stuff everybody mentioned here up in the episode notes and up on the site here in the next day or two. So thanks a ton to our guests for joining us today, talking about testing. Uh, it was really great to have you guys. Duncan, Adam, thank you. And thanks to all our panelists. Everybody have a great
3: week.
1: Excellent, guys. Thanks, guys. And happy holidays. Yeah, happy
3: holidays.